Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. This episode of the Artelligence Podcast is a conversation with Bill Griffin of the West Coast Gallery, Kane Griffin Corcoran. He's speaking with Cynthia Sachs and Naomi Bagel of Athena Art Finance. Cynthia is the chief investment officer, and Naomi runs marketing. We're discussing the transition to the restrictions around the coronavirus and how that's affected the buying, selling, and borrowing against art. So, uh, Bill Griffin, you are um, operating remotely uh, as a gallery these days, but that isn't actually an, a new experience for you. You you guys have some precedent for working in various spatial dimensions. Could you sort of give us a sense of what both what you're doing now, but also how that relates to how your gallery is structured? Yeah, um, that's correct. I've been, uh, the gallery is located in Los Angeles, uh, um, and I've been removed from the gallery for uh, nine years. Uh, I'm located in the woods of Idaho, I'm sitting out looking out over the Big Wood River right now. And um, pretty isolated uh, in many ways from anything dealing with uh, contemporary art or thought. Um, with that, uh, I've set up. Uh, I have a I have a building in town here, a little western town called Sun Valley, um, and I also have an office, uh, home office where I'm working out of today. And I am um, completely dialed in and have been for that period of time into the Los Angeles business with not just the power of the internet and the and the uh, connections through servers and similar applications if you will but also phone systems um, all, all you know with the power of VOIP and uh, obviously now zoom um, Microsoft teams and all these things that we embrace um, to bring us closer together in one way and allow us to live uh, pretty much anywhere we want at this point. Today's world isn't much different than where I was 30 days ago or 60 days ago um, in my sort of isolation physically from from uh, my team. We're into a nine to five Monday through Friday operation. We're closed permanently at the gallery at least until another 30 days at, at the best from uh, per Los Angeles and California. And uh, we're, uh, you know, this, the team is about 20, 22 people, and we're um, hosting meetings, uh, you know, every hour in different departments in different uh, ways. And I think we're communicating um, better than we ever have. Well, uh, let me just follow up on that. How does it work in the particular context of selling art? I, I mean, I, it's only been five or six weeks, so I'm sure there was a, a, a lot of business in the middle of taking place or a uh, a backlog or a momentum that has continued on for the last five or six weeks. But are you also beginning to sort of see a a renewal or a continuation of business not reliant upon what happened five or six weeks ago? In other words, how do buyers come to you without a gallery to walk in uh, at this moment? You, you know, that's a great, a great question. Um, you know, I, I would say that, um, like a tree learning how to kind of grow around something that's what's happening now at least in in, in our gallery um you know when i look at my 
my day, um, either from the beginning of the day or at the end, looking back, uh, I'm absolutely touching more people, more clients, having more authentic and genuine conversations about art. Um, you know, yesterday I, I covered Europe. I was over into Asia. I was obviously in North America um, with multiple um, Zoom and video conferencing calls, um, not just with clients, but also with peers um, uh, and other gallerists. Uh, and, you know, all of this creates, uh, you know, um, a rebirth, if you will. And, um, you know, the, the, obviously there's online viewing tools and these type and, and you know, uh, specific, um, you know, presentations one can make for clients, uh, and that can help move the needle to certain degrees. Uh, but it's also fundamentally about relationships and about, um, you know, communicating it and, and building that. So yeah, maybe our sales, uh, you know, in any one week, uh, you know, or month, uh, or month, uh, are, are, are down certainly relative to where we were 12 months ago. But if you're doing the right activity, and for me, art is about um, dialogue, um, that can be done now in a different way. And so I feel and we feel as a team that we're as productive in some ways even more. And as long as our activity is, we're doing the right activities. We're touching people. We're communicating. We're sharing um, concepts and, and um, you know, uh, ideas about uh, the artists that we champion. Uh, you know, the results will come. And that and that's kind of our attitude. Marian, it's Naomi. Um, I'm wondering if I can ask a question, because I, too, agree that, that in this new age of COVID, that we've really been able to concentrate and focus, and uh, property and, and opportunities are being vetted for us in this context. And I think part of that is also because people aren't doing their normal day-to-day -day activities. For me, you know, my day is very different. I'm usually out and engaging with people, to your point, uh, that it is a relationship-driven business and not being in front of people sometimes for Athena and Athena Arc Finance, you, you miss those opportunistic moments where people see you and a light bulb goes off and they say, oh, yes, I meant to ask you about X, Y, and Z, either for myself or for a client. We can do that in this new space, but I also think it's because everybody is in the same situation where we're all home or we're all sequestered and we all have the time to be more thoughtful than we had before. And we do all have to start working with these new platforms to engage with people. So I'm hoping that it's a new paradigm in the way we respond and relate to people. And I think we can all agree that nothing will ever get in front of standing, you know, in front of a work of art uh, to experience it and to have it be part of your own personal experience and with other people. But I do wonder when this all goes away, if people will have the appetite and the attention that they're giving to this new way of communicating that we all have to participate in. It, no, I think that's the, the main question, right, is that this is an extraordinary time. I think we all recognize and in many ways have more patience for it being out of the ordinary because we're, you know, all participating in an effort to stop the pandemic uh, or at least slow down or flatten the curve, whatever term you want to use. And surely there will be a change in behavior, uh, you know, the way uh Bill describes, but there also need to be a return to the kind of behavior that you just described. You know, the, the art world doesn't exist without the direct experience of art. Uh, it just 
not really possible for this thing to be um, separated uh, from that entirely. And I think, you know, as this goes on and we get a little bit better sense of how we emerge from, from it, we'll see, a, a, you know, what kind of structures need to be in place for people to both have that direct experience, but also to be able to continue to participate in, in new ways, whether it's doing much more of the education around art in these, um, you know, virtual uh, ways, uh, or just increasing the engagement people have uh, with art. Bill, do you guys have plans, uh, you know, or are you beginning to make plans based on the experience of the last five or six weeks about what you do next? Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, we've, let me just go back for one second. I, I, you know, obviously, and I, you know, I've been in the business for 25 years now um being in front of the art object is is the central you know uh kind of position you have to be in but these other elements help if you can't get there or help you get there in some way shape or form so when you're in front of the object you can have maybe perhaps have more information or a different perspective or more knowledge etc um, on our end, um, you know, I think moving forward, I'm not saying that everything will be the new world, but it's going to be a hybrid. It's going to combine these. I can already calculate out that I travel 30, 35 times a year. You know, I'm not going to need to do that as much. I, you know, I'll go when I need to go, but now maybe I look at um, effective Zoom meetings or Microsoft Teams experiences, et cetera that can accomplish that, at least in terms of running the business. Um, I think as we look into the future, we are um, you know, heavily looking at, our, at reimagining our, our digital and virtual uh, platform, for lack of a better word, what we can do, what, where is this new world going? Like I said about the telephone before, it was something that you know, we did. Um, but yeah, we were a gallery, we went to art fairs, we um, had people come into the into the space. Uh, obviously, we had um, exhibition openings, we did studio visits. And I don't think any of those things will stop. But I do think there's going to be um, an additional element of this, uh, of, of, of this new technology and virtual world kicking in. Um, so we are, uh, you know, aggressively, um, you know, in, uh, in a daily and weekly fashion, um, challenging the way that we think about our digital um, uh, business and our virtual kind of uh, world for our clients. And we are beginning to implement things that are already kind of I've seen out there, you know, virtual studio visits, um, you know, uh, you know, different uh, groupings of even gallerists together talking about what someone is doing in Europe versus in Asia versus in, you know, the West or the East for that matter of North America. And those things are, are um, helping us kind of think differently about the business. So to answer your question, I think we're hybriding the, what we've gone through in the last six weeks will be merged in with what was happening before. And I think we'll have a better you know, result, um, not just for the business, but for art itself and for people that want to experience it. I, I do want to go back to something you were saying about art fairs uh, and travel in a second. But first, I wanted to pick up on something that Naomi said about people being at home and reassessing and having the time to, you know, not be distracted by uh, 
going to and fro and really being able to sit and think and um, consider things. And I was wondering, Cynthia, if you guys, you know, is that causing people to, to spend some time reevaluating where they are either with their um, collections uh, as collections or with just the financing uh, behind how they do their collecting? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I, they are. What we're seeing is the art finance business actually is probably more active right now than it's ever been for, for various reasons. The one that you're honing in on uh, regarding collectors, I think they are looking around and seeing where they can fill in their collections because they have the time to spend to do that, where they can maybe kind of upsize uh, and reach a little bit more and use art financing for that. Um, you know, maybe where they want to peel some art away if, you know, they feel as though it's a piece that in this market isn't, you know, going to have, um, you know, a, a, an economic impact to them because there are still, you know, artworks out there that are holding their value very well from what we understand. Uh, obviously, it depends on what you have. But I think there is absolutely a um, kind of revisiting of, of kind of the existing collection, also how it's financed. I think a lot of people in today's market and world are realizing that, you know, how silly is it that, you know, I take a mortgage out on my piece of real estate, no matter how, you know, valuable it is, or whatever the case may be, it's just like kind of the right economic trade to use leverage on a piece of real estate um, from a return perspective. So why am I not doing that on my art? And uh, also in today's market where the uh, financial markets, the traditional financial markets are very volatile. I think they're very happy to sit there and look at their art collections and feel very safe with a physical asset um, and maybe thinking like this may be uh, a better place to you know put my capital. I love it. Uh, I want to grow it in the right way economically. If I can use leverage on it, that's interesting, particularly if there's someone who, if there's uh, a financially more financially savvy uh, investor with many uh, collectors coming out of, you know, call it, you know, private equity or the hedge fund space, or just are very smart around the markets generally. I think there's a lot of thinking, I guess, to answer your question. Um, and it's actually bubbling up to Athena in inquiries and activity and discussions. Yeah. And I would add to that by saying that since we don't know what this new dynamic is going to place on the secondary market and how things will be transacted, I think believe that some of these clients are being thoughtful in the lending space where they weren't before because they would like to hold on to their property instead of sell them right now. They might not want to take the risk, but they do want to grow their collections and they do want to jump on other opportunities, whether it be our collecting purposes or other investments that they're interested in. And this gives them a liquidity to do that. And it's, it's to me, since I've been speaking with a lot of people, it crosses the gamut of why they've really taken an eye back to or for the first time and looking at their art, collector, art collections in a way that they might be able to leverage them. And back to your conversation about the telephone bill, they weren't comfortable thinking about this before. But in this new paradigm where there's uncertainty and certainty, they're thinking, let me at least investigate this. And we are looking at many more clients with real opportunities uh, as opposed to having to vet the the bubble of art that's out there in the abyss that everybody sees that isn't right and isn't real and isn't appropriate to really having you know, strong conversations with major collectors who are being very thoughtful about the next steps for their art collecting purposes or just their lives in general. Yeah, and I would just wanna add one other thing, Marion, if I may. Uh, I think the other very, very interesting thing about art right now 
um, just because we're talking about investment in arts to, to some degree, is that the physicality of it um, and kind of the inflation protected nature of it in physical assets, given all the liquidity that's been put into the financial markets and the worry about inflation down the road because of it. I think there's a lot of comfort uh, in, in, in art collectors right now to have that physicality in their assets and also a reason to look around and see where they can grow because they're trying to hedge, right? That potential, I'll say risk in, in inflation and, and, and physical assets like gold or art or real estate or things like that, that might deflate now a little bit over the long run, you know, have historically had an inflationary bend. I, I, I'm surprised I was kept expecting you to raise the specter of oil. I mean, I think what's so fascinating about this particular moment in the um, global markets is obviously there's enormous uh, uncertainty about what comes after the pandemic economically, but there's also been so much activity in anticipation of that that also has an effect going forward towards um, exactly the kinds of things we saw after the last uh, global financial crisis that would lead most people to think, okay, there's a one wants to stay away from financial instruments, and then that's underscored in such an extraordinary way with the current issues around oil futures mm -hmm. and some of the discussion about again that the contracts are the dangerous thing to own, and you know the storage with the the uh, oil, and oh, so it, it, no more storage, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, again, what's so interesting is a lot of our storage facilities out there. <laughs> well, what's so interesting is that 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 has its own political uh, dimension that's right. driving it, but it also is connected to the pandemic and everyone staying home, which is also had a demand uh, uh, aspect. But but I do think, it, you know, this has always been one of the curious things. And I had a discussion recently with a, a group of art advisors about this. There is a good argument to be made that the surfeit of financial instruments out there and the savings glut in the uh, global economy argues more for people uh, using objects as a store of value yeah. rather than, and, and in the old days it was gold, but uh, gold has certain numbers of limitations, including just the volume of it. And we seem to, over the last decade or so, created um, more classes of objects that could be stores of value, whether it's classic cars or certain luxury uh, collectibles, handbags and so forth. Uh, and certainly art. And obviously those things are always a measure of the value is not just what is, gets put into it, but also that there is someone coming behind you to value these things who will who will pay you the money so that you can get your value out of it. But certainly anyone thinking about uh, the world in a financial way has got to say, oh, if I already own a lot of bonds and there's a bubble in the bond market and uh, I own a lot of equities and we're all concerned about equities in the near term and all, that is not illogical to think, uh, if I've got still got cash, I might use the uh, uh, cultural objects, especially art as a store uh, of value. I think we just haven't seen it play out yet. And of course, we've got a very big issue surrounding this with, because we haven't seen anyone transacting in a public way yet, yeah. there've been a couple of online auctions, there's not a good sense of what values are going forward. Yeah. But, right. I think 
also be short term, right? I think what we'll see in the spring auctions, if they happen in June, let's say, I think it could be a deflationary event, right? Just because it's short term relative to kind of this event happening. And, but I think kind of over the long run, using this as kind of a precipice moment that, 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 you know, will kind of be more of a V-shaped situation when people think about, you know, how, how this asset has performed over time. I mean, look what happened after the last financial crisis. Art went up massively over the last decade. Like significant interest in art by significant people in the world who really were looking to it for enjoyment, obviously, and that's very, very important. Um, and so you have to already have that in you and want that. Um, but very smart people looking to looking to it as you know. And I, I do hate to say as an asset class because there's a lot to say about whether it is or isn't. And I don't want to get into that discussion. But looking to it for you know, in, in, in terms of real inherent value, I'll say. Well, I, I, I wanted to ask, et cetera. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask Bill since he is the probably the only one among us who's yeah. actually seeing transactions and what their valuations are. Do you have, Bill, do you have a sense of where the market is? I mean, I, I see, I see it across the spectrum. Actually, I, I, I don't have any specific, um, you know, comment there. I, I, I think you know more blue chip artists that we're handling, you know. James Terrell, you know, Mary Course, um, that type of thing seems to have a lot of um, consistent uh, uh, interest and activity built around. But then at the same time, you know, we just placed uh, a mid-career artist in, into Korea yesterday. So, uh, you know, I, I would, I'd like to apply my logic and say, well, it makes sense, you know, people coming back first into blue chip and, and then spreading out from there. But I, that hasn't happened. I, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've, I've seen a range of activity um, just really picking up in the last, um, you know, seven to ten days. Yeah. I mean, there was a real, a real stillness for a period of time, and now things are beginning to kind of um, thaw a little bit. And don't know how far that'll go. And um, you know, we'll just have to see how time time plays into that. That's a great. Um, it's great to hear that you're active and you're starting to see, you know, kind of a little bit of a light happening and activity yeah yeah and our values from from where you're trading do they feel as though they've kind of held up from pre-covid levels on our end yeah i mean we're we uh we're in a lucky position on a lot of different levels um you know our our um i've been around like i said and i i went through 207 and i uh um, I mean, our, our business can, can last about 52 months with the money that we've saved, right? Like we're, we're in a good position. We're actually buying things out there now. Um, we're looking for opportunities and we're, we're, um, moving forward and, and, uh, making some pretty, pretty significant buys at the same time. We're, we're in a protection position with, um, our employees and, um, keeping, um, everybody, um, first safe and, uh, but also engaged in the business. Um, so that when we come out of this, um, you know, we've reinvented ourselves and prepared for the new world. Um, so that, I mean, we're, we're kind of, um, uh, approaching in that way, but yes, you know, on, on new sales that, that weren't, uh, let's say in the, uh, in the, in the prospect lane, uh, 30 to 60 days ago that come through. Yeah. Those are great days. <laughs> don't, I don't want to mislead anybody like that. Any sale is, is, is a positive. And, um, 
but I, I, and I think that we're going to see more, more of that happen. Will the war artwork drop? Will valuations or people? Yeah. There, I've, I've had some people that have tried to come in and, and, and bottom feed or like, but that's not our business model. It's not how we champion, champion our studios and um, we don't need to do that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, you know, back in 207, I always said art was uh, was a sticky asset. You know, it was. It's not an easy. You know, you're not pushing pushing a button and trading Amazon on the stock exchange. Uh, you know, uh, in the next few minutes. It, it, and and in a way, that actually is a good thing. It it, it protects the work, protects the valuations if the work deserves that, and it allows um, the right people to end up with the work. So uh, that that do care about it and want it in their collection or in their institution. So, um, you know, but, but that's nothing new. I, I want to say that it wasn't just 207. You know, you, you go back to World War II. It was like you couldn't put a corner, uh, a, a corner uh, realist, a corner building on in, in the middle of Berlin underneath your armpit and go to Argentina. But plenty of people did that do that with artwork, especially with the right. culture that was that was happening in Berlin at that time as really the, the avant-garde and leadership within the world. There was a lot of artwork that was moved out, and I have seen different periods of time in Europe specifically, but also in the states. People do gravitate and go, "Hey, there is great value in this painting. A, I love it. B, it's something I can move with." And when people do think that way, um, it it does allow art to hold its value a little bit better in times like this. Yeah, I would agree. I've been hearing very similar stories to yours, Bill, about people who no one is fire selling. Nobody needs to necessarily sell. I think living through some of these crises over the last decade or two have gotten people more comfortable with um, with how to protect themselves and not that they have to risk anything or that they have to punt kick something out to save their souls or save themselves or save their businesses. They can be much smarter about how they do things. And I'm glad to hear that people are um, are 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 being thoughtful about how they're purchasing. And I think sometimes the auctions spike markets of the younger artists unrealistically and very quickly. And maybe now those things can have a more even keel on how their trajectory happens, which I know is better for the artists and better for the gallery and better for the market overall. And opens them, opens it up even to, you know, newer collectors or people that are new to the collecting phase and thinking that they're not going to get bought out before they even started to in their minds into wanting to understand what this whole art world was about. Um, so it's, it's an interesting moment. I think that we're all seeing and sensing. And I, and I agree that while you can do a lot of this uh, remotely and through, you know, videos and iPads, which I know galleries have done for decades now, they don't bring everything to art fairs. They have instead of the back closet, they have their back iPad and they can show people what's back at the gallery back in the artist studios. But it is, I think, a new dynamic in getting people across the board, whether they're seasoned collectors or new collectors, uh, involved uh, in a new and hopefully, you know, different robust way. Yeah, it certainly seems like there are more people looking for bargains uh, on the buying side than there are um, sellers willing to take, a, a you know, a, a something less than what they see, you know, give someone a bar bargain. And mm -hmm. it, it, it'll be interesting to see if that even ever comes to pass because the people have gotten so ahead of the game, assuming that there must, you know, I'm doing well, but someone else must be really need the money uh, uh, right now. Um, Bill, I was, was wondering sort of what, 
as you mentioned earlier that you're buying, what is it you would like to see in the next uh, three to six mo- months? Are you, is it an art fair where you can see what kinds of um, businesses uh, taking place? Or is it auctions where you can see some prices to get a better gauge of where things are? Or are you just fairly confident in your sense of valuation that you're willing to, you know, make choices or decisions based on uh, what you believe is a good price? Uh, that's a that's a very good question. I, I, I don't, uh, I've always stayed very, um, uh, in our business has stayed very um, specific to the kind of the lanes that we're in. And, uh, and I don't, um, I don't get outside of those lanes on anything that we ever acquire. Um, so I know the fundamental values of, of what I'm going in after, whether the market is telling me one thing or another today doesn't concern me. It, you know, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, um, I love, uh, I love, Buffett's uh, saying that like when he acquires things, he, his, his preferred time to hold, hold things are forever. <laughs> um, so when we're acquiring work, we're, we're looking at it, not just today, but, you know, 10, you know, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. And for our collectors um, uh, and people that, that we work with um, to be able to come into to that zone. So it's uh, if an auction goes up, up up or down or art fairs those don't really impact my decision and our decision as a gallery on what we acquire um we pretty much know exactly where we feel comfortable um with um you know the value of the work and what those opportunities are you you, you kind of know it you know you, you, you can feel it when when it's an opportunity and you know when it's not and uh we're very conservative in, in, in how we approach this. And we actually would also act bold and quite aggressive um, when when opportunity presents itself. And, and that's what we do. And are you feeling the same or hearing the same from your clients or potential clients? And, and by the way, I'm assuming, yeah. are you buying work from artists you represent or are you buying secondary market work of just artists you think are important or undervalued? I, I would say both, but, but leading with work with studios that we um, have relationships with now that that's, that's sort of, you know, and cause it's also helping in some ways it's, it's supporting our artists, but at the same time, it's um, you know, it, 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 you know, it, it's a, it's a good trade for everybody, but we're not, you know, it, it, it it's, it's no different than for me how we were operating before. It's just if the work if, if the work is of the right quality and it's something that we know and we have a knowledge base and expertise in, and we have a we have um, the the proper uh, you know relationships and distribution channels, then you know we'll we'll acquire the work. And um, it, it's uh, the the marketplace isn't really my concern in that way as much as the the kind of um, uh, the, the the world that that we exist in, which is a very, you know, specific niche uh, in in the great contemporary art world, right? So um, that that that's really our approach. It's it's a it's a um, pretty logical and um, patient um, uh, approach, and just waiting for the right opportunities to come. Um, my clients are are that way as well. I mean, the, 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 you know, the major collectors and people that are that are in it for the long haul are, are very patient as well. Um, and, um, 
sure, I mean, as a retail gallery, you know, we do get calls from people that want a bottom feed. But like I said earlier on, that that's just not our business model, and we don't we don't play into that. Um, uh, and um, you know, I actually feel, and you know, a, a lot of the a number of the work that we work with, it, it's it's undervalued anyway within the marketplace. And you know, it's my job to champion and get it out there and, and educate people about you know, where it should be positioned in, uh, in not just in the marketplace, but in art history. So uh, I, am, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but, but. You know, no, no, it does. I, I'm actually surprised that someone approaches you hoping to get a, uh, a, a bargain, uh, as yeah. a primary dealer, right? I mean, you're, you are meant to be the place that enforces these things. Yeah. You're, it's the other way around. It should be the, you should be the guy I go to when I own the work of one of your artists and I desperately need money. And I know you'll pay me right. faster than anyone else because you'll be there for your, for your artists that you're not, yeah. not that you're going to give me a deal in, in, in some way, but I, I guess I, I, people are interested. I, I, no, right? Yeah, they are. You, and you just can't, you just can never predict on what, what's going to come at you. I mean, it, it, you know, there's been some new people that have come out of nowhere, like, at, you know, somebody, I, I, I won't reference the country, but another country that called in and they were just like, Hey, you know, I've got this, I want to begin to acquire art. And it was like, well, uh, okay. You know, it, 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 you know, they, they see a, an opportunity in a different way and they approach it as, as, you know, we know there's a lot of people with, you know, say financial background that have come into the art world over the last few decades that are, um, applying some of their models and theories and approaches to things. I think you have some of that. That's, that's the type of thing that's, that is, it is odd, but it, but you know, it's a big world out there and, and people see, and think, um, you know, and maybe they're right. But um, well, at this date, we're we're pretty early into this. You know? That that goes back to what Naomi was saying or, earlier. That I I do think there are a lot of people who have felt somewhat um, overwhelmed by the art world. That it was that it required not just the knowledge, but that it was just everything was moving too fast and viewed right. it as the same sort of thing. Like just like the there's not a lot of cars on the road today. Uh, there's not a lot of pe- there, there's the presumption that there's not a lot of business going on, and so it seems like there are people who who think of this as like, oh, maybe this is my chance to finally be able to get access rather than to have to fight for uh, things, which may or may not be the actual case. Right, the barrier, to entry seems, yeah. the barrier to entry seems a little bit lower now, right? That the threshold for them to get into the marketplace because others might not be digging their heels in so quickly, they might see this opportunity where they can actually call a gallery and somebody will pick up a phone and speak to them. Where in the past, everybody was so busy in their day-to-day and getting ready for the next you know, fair or the next show that the accessibility factor wasn't there. And maybe now, and I don't know if it's true or not, but the perception is that maybe there's more time on people's hands where they will engage with with new collectors or even seasoned collectors that have yet to be able to have that connection with that dealer, with a gallery, with an artist. Uh, because, you know, we're in this new place where everybody is kind of at the the behest of trying to open up new doors and new passageways, both for the incoming client and getting exposure for, you know, build for your artists in places that maybe they didn't have a footprint before. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. It, you know, it, it, I was also going to just say, it's a big world. You know, it, it, the art world was not that 20, 30 years ago. You know, New York and, and Zurich and whatever else. It, it, it's a global um, marketplace. And so with that, you know, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people are going to come to it and be like, hey, you know, I, I want I've always wanted to get into this. 
maybe I have some more time. Or like you said, the galleries have more time and take that call and help, help, um, you know, reset things. Uh, it, it, it is, there's always opportunity that, that it presents itself. And that's where we are now. It's a different world than we were, you know, six weeks ago, but it, it, it's still a great, a great world. And there's, and I think art is going to thrive in it. You know, I, I think, let me back up. I think quality art is going to thrive in it. And I think quality um, art professionals and collections are all, are all going to be fine. You know, yeah. I think this is just a little, a little bit of a timeout, you know? So uh, let's go back to the question of um, uh, traveling and, and art fairs, uh, because it sort of takes us to, you know, life beyond the lockdown. And uh, you did sort of talk about, hey, maybe I don't need to travel so, so much. And I do sort of half wonder whether part of the solution here is the sense of people being able to connect better outside of these events won't make uh, uh, it, these events no longer relevant, but it may make that, that there are fewer events and that people maybe spend more time there uh, instead of flying into, because you do so many art fairs, flying into the, the fair for a day and a half, you might, if you're going to go all the way to Basel, you might actually stay in Basel for, you know, several day, days, or am I just being a Pollyanna about these things? <laughs> I think you might be being a Pollyanna about those things. I don't know. It'd be interesting because I, I, I don't know about you, Bill, but I do know that I tend to, you know, limit my time and it's very uh, structured when I arrive right before the opening of, you know, un, Untitled, then I go to the fair, then I'll go to the biler, and then I come home. Like everything is very staged and you have your meetings in between all of that. To allow yourself the freedom to spend extra time uh, personally, as opposed to just all being directed towards that work concept would be an amazing opportunity and and thought to do, you know, because sometimes it feels like you could be anywhere. It doesn't really matter. You're just going for the fair and for the people more than for the location and experiencing everything else around and the museums and the other galleries to the extent that you can. That isn't just like a one second. Oh, I, you know, I saw the gallery walk by, did a once around and left. Um, I, I hope we give, I, I hope we give ourselves that kind of breath and time. And I yeah. hope that COVID allows us all to do that in all parts of our life. Yeah, I, I, I would just say, and I'm curious, Bill, your view on this, if I was sitting in your shoes and I'm not sure, you know, how many art fairs you, you know, exhibit at and or, you know, look to have your, you know, you show at, et cetera. But it's an expensive proposition, I would imagine. Right. So, you know, you're paying for, you know, the space, you're flying the artworks in, you're flying your people in, you're putting everyone up, like, you know, and the amount of money that you're making at the physical location of the art fair, it's a huge haul, a huge amount of resources, time, effort, et cetera. When if now in today's world, you could virtually show artworks and maybe do something a lot less um, onerous, I'll say, in terms of, you know, even flying the client into your LA gallery, you know, might be a cheaper proposition and more targeted than really going through all that effort to showcase to a wider audience when you know only really, you know, you know, a, a certain number of people are going to be serious buyers of your blue chip artworks, et cetera. So I'm curious to hear your view on from, from the gallerist perspective of whether you are as interested in doing that anymore, if or or, or if your peers may, may, in terms of that um, would still be as interested. Yeah, I think that. Um, I mean, I 
a lot of the conversations I've had in the last few weeks have actually entailed, you know, conversations about art fairs with, with other peers. And, um, uh, because it's, it's definitely an unknown and you're correct. It's a, it's a big expenditure and, and, um, in, in, you know, not just let's say fixed, but also soft costs and time and resources. And if you're there, you're not, you're not in your space, et cetera. Um, you know, some of the conversations have come up to say, hey, you know, um, maybe re- more regional fairs will be so successful in the sense of you don't have to jump on a plane and fly to, to the other side of the world for four days and then jump back on that plane and fly back again. It's it's a regional kind of um, uh, fairs that could set up that could um, be successful. Um, there were also conversations about you know, fairs that would say, hey, you know, we're going to do a fair, but, you know, the, the, the 30 or 40, I don't know, galleries in, in Manhattan or whatever, or 100 galleries in Manhattan, you know, instead of coming all together under one roof, you know, you do, you'd have that happen in one of your gallery spaces and you, and people would actually go around to the gallery as, a, as a, you know, the fair walls would be, you know, the Hudson and, you know, the definitions of the Manhattan Island or something like that. So there's definitely people thinking about that. On our end, you know, uh, we were curtailing our fair um, uh, involvement coming into this year before this hit as a part of our strategic um, positioning uh, as we were looking at, um, you know, we're still in a growth state. And as we were adding on more artists and studios, we always wanted to kind of be able to keep the quality of what we would bring, we're bringing to these fairs. And at a certain point, we were spinning with many fairs um, uh, in all the continents, um, and it was um, we felt we needed a year to kind of uh, slow down and um, reposition. Thankfully, uh, we chose right. Uh, we have done earlier this year. We did the ADAA and the Armory, and we're slotted to do you know do Basel in the fall, et cetera. I mean, you know, in, in December in in Miami, assuming that happens. Um, the reality is, I think on, on our end, um, there's a lot of questions about fairs. I mean, you know, and and their viability, and what's who's going to hold, who's going to survive. Um, maybe there'll be mergers. What does a fair look like? Are people still going to be able to to want to travel to these fairs and go and exp- and and look at work? Um, no one really knows that. And so, from my model, we've just pivoted back to things that are controllable in our in our zone, and back to like our lane and, and focusing it on the gallery, um, you know, uh, and, and it's, and it's artists and, uh, we'll see what happens over the next few months as it relates to fairs. Um, there's a lot of people, a lot of, you know, galleries are, are, um, questioning fair, the viability of fairs and, and the expenses. So, um, there might have to be a, a whole nother, um, rebirth, uh, in, in, in the fair, in the fair business. Um, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the gallery business. And I think there'll be a lot of changes with, you know, as a ripple effect into the fairs. Um, and, and that's a good thing. It's not, a, it's not a bad, you know, it's like, it's like spring, right. You know, it's a the rebirth is a good thing. There's, there's, there's opportunity and, and, and goodness in that. And I think that's, what's going to happen. I couldn't agree more, and that sounds like a great place for us to stop. Cynthia, Naomi, Bill, I really appreciate all of you spending the time with me. Yeah, thank you. Everybody have a great weekend as well. Stay well and safe, everybody, please. 
Thank you for listening to the Artelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com. 